Hello and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom Pearson, and today I've got three eager associates from leading Nigerian law firm, Duwali Ovia and Alex Adapide, DOA for short, based in Lagos, Nigeria. Now, our guests include Tobiloba Awashika, an integral member of the firm's private equity, venture capital, banking, finance, mergers and acquisitions practice. And she is advised on some of the firm's largest international and indigenous M&A transactions, privatizations and equity offerings. Second, I have Samuel Abu. He is a member of the firm's corporate and commercial practice with a specific focus in telecommunications, media and technology, IP and private equity. And finally, Melody Ibegbulam, another member of the corporate and commercial department at the firm, and her experience primarily covers banking and finance, as well as mergers and acquisitions. And we would, I was just saying before we uh, started recording, it is brilliant to have a leading law firm put three of their associates forward to help us create some wonderful content. I think it's it's fantastic to see. I uh, uh, you know no offense to the partners guys, but they they are are today and the associates are tomorrow. So I'm hoping for a very forward forward thinking and energized discussion. So let's dive right into things. And I want to start with a question which relies upon all of your extensive experiences in the TMT, M&A and private equity spaces. Now, all three of these key areas are aligned with businesses who are globalizing at at an increasing rate. I'm interested, how have the firm's own services had to globalize and expand and adapt to meet this internationalization or global outlook of the clients that you're trying to serve. Um, for, for clarity's sake, uh, Tobaloba, would you care to kick us off with that question? Thank you very much, uh, Tom. Thank you for that introduction. It's nice to be introduced as the tomorrow of the firm. <laughs> Uh, Just don't don't say it too often around the partners. You just have to keep that under wraps. (laughs) Based on your question, um, the key words are leveraging on relationships. You can never overemphasize the importance of leveraging on information on relationships. Um, So for the firm has positioned itself in such a way that uh, for expanding. So we understand that our clients are interested in expanding globally or even in Africa, for example. And we understand how um, limiting or the jurisdictional limits as to practicing law in the area that you are in. So what the firm has really done over the years or is continuing to do is to leverage on its relationships so we've, um, for example, we have a client that is interested in um, expanding to Kenya or expanding to Senegal or expanding to the U.S. So we have a directory or a list or um, of information or um, network relationships with lawyers in uh-huh. those jurisdictions. And we basically just, you know, pull up our phones, pull up emails, do the introduction emails, and then oversee that kind of relationship. And one another thing that we've also done is to 
be a part of um, international conferences. So I'm aware that this year, DOA has both attended and sponsored the Africa Conference in Senegal this year. We've also been a part of um, the, we're also going to be a part of the IBA Conference coming up in Miami and also the one in Nigeria. All this is to ensure that we are able to get as much or be able to reach out or link up or network with um, lawyers or um, parties or financiers or investors in those jurisdictions so we could be able to um, relate or advise our clients on their expansion dreams and expansion plans. Um, another thing that we've done also this year, as all, um, we understand that um, we had a meeting, if I recall, we had a meeting with uh, some um, guys from the Kigali International Financing Center, where basically they're trying to ensure that um, Rwanda is the financial destination for a lot of investments. So there's the ease of business in Rwanda. So we've also been able to um, liaise with these guys and you know, look through their offerings and see how it can be beneficial to our, for our clients. So basically what we do, like um, what we've done or what we're doing in order to um, key into the vision of our partner, of our clients, in order to key into the vision of our clients on expansion has been to leverage on relationships so that when our, part, our clients are interested in those areas, we are just able to, um, easily or seamlessly um, promote such um, relationship and spark up such a um, relationship. Um, thank you. For sure. And I think it's, it's important to add that this is a, 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 a perpetual activity. You know, this isn't something that you're waiting for a client to say, oh, we're interested in X or Y. You know, you're going out there and, you know, conversations with our friends at the Kigali International Financial Center. I'm sure, uh, you know, you talked with Tudi and, and Hortense over there who, who we've worked with as well. And, you know, that's getting ahead of the curve. It's realizing that, that East African financial services were looking for um, international financial centers in the region. Mauritius has been doing it for a long time, but there's there's going to be change. And it's about getting ahead of that curve and having the relationships already in place rather than desperately trying to garner those relationships when the client approaches. So it's good to see that degree of, of proactivity. Um, I'm interested of a very quick follow-up question there, uh, Tobaloba, is you talked about, you know, some clients are saying, oh, Senegal, Kenya, others are saying the United States. I'm interested, with, in particular in the context of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, do you think that the majority of your clients are more interested in, in African expansion or out of Africa, US, the UK and Europe? Or, or is there a bit of an even split? I would say there is a bit of even splits, and I also say that there is a spotlight on Africa currently, because even the guys in the U.S. are trying to come into Africa to um, invest, because there are more opportunities here. We have the numbers, we have in so you have customers, you have the consumers, we have um, you know several innovative um, products and. There is a large underserved market currently in Africa, and each it will make sense to try to explore those options as an investor. 
basically. So um, right, while I would say it's a split, I will also say that there is a spotlight on Africa currently and mm. everyone is trying to um, take the share of the cake, basically. A hundred percent. And it reminds me of a joke that I'm becoming increasingly fond of, which is where a lot of my friends that pursued rather traditional uh, business uh, interests, uh, predominantly focused in the UK, I take great pleasure in telling them that most of the markets that I engage with are nice, stable, currency secure and politically uh, reliable jurisdictions like Nigeria, Ghana, Rwanda, Kenya, and so on. And always puts a big smile on my face being able to, to rub, rub that in a couple of smug smug faces every now and again um samuel i'm going to pivot to you for my next question you're providing advice on a jurisdictionally diverse and and sector diverse basis and look the, the firm does not and and i don't think can have on the ground presence at all times in all markets so how are you currently balancing that now how do you collaborate with other law firms to ensure the excellent client service you, you strive for without having to open offices or have boots on the ground uh, you know in, in perpetuity okay thank you very much for the question tom yeah so one thing we pride ourselves with is with respect to excellence and quality of service you need to go with the top firms or the top better firms over there Right, and then um, top rated firms are like the quality and the closest proof you have, you know, to the kind of quality they're going to give you. And in some instances, when we work on a transaction and uh, we seem impressed, you know, by the activities of the counterparty, we could also reach out to those firms. So, um, in essence, in a nutshell, we just boils down to partnership, and we partner with firms that we believe can create the kind of work that we need. We then sort of onboard them to create a sort of um, three-way channel. Right, because communication is just as important. Um, your client needs something in the foreign jurisdiction. You have a foreign firm you're working with. You want to be able to carry your client along you know, with the progress of the work. So we create a three-way channel between DOA, that is law firm here, our clients, and um, the foreign law firm. And the first thing we do is to discuss the strategy that we're going to use, right? So take, for example, it's um, a typical m with a company in the US, right? Um, once we have a target law firm we're working with over there, the first thing first is we're going to have some sort of strategy meeting with our clients, with the law firm to discuss the transaction structure, right? So this helps your, the client to have an idea of the timeline um, in which the transaction will take place. So that way you're giving the client the assurance that you know what this transaction may take a bit of two, three, four months. Right. And um, we also discussed with the foreign law firm on uh, innovative ideas and ways to go through loopholes that may occur in such thing. So, I, I mean, the, the closest we can do, which is which has actually worked for us over the years, is, you know, um, identify those firms that can get the work done, you know, by virtue of the recognitions of an award or by virtue of, you know, working with them on transactions and seeing how they've pulled off for their clients and then, you know, come up with a strategy with our clients and that way we have some sort of structure that guides the timeline in which the work could be done. Absolutely. I think that the collaboration and the transparency point coming through loud and clear there. And Tobolova, anything to add here? It sounds like once again, it does come down to relationships, but any further thoughts there? 
Um, um, like I've always said, you cannot overemphasize um, the importance of relationship and partnerships. And you know, just I wanted to just add to what Samaline mentioned because I'm currently working on a live transaction, and um, the company is a Nigerian company um, that is the, the is being invested in. The company is in Nigeria, and the investor is in the um, is the investor is abroad. And they are trying to invest in the um, foreign um, companies, both um, the companies in US, that's both of them, the money is going to move through that. But we also needed to conclude or do a due diligence on the Nigerian entity. So what we initially, the structure was going to be, oh, they were going to um, engage us as lawyers to conduct the due diligence. And then they were going to get a foreign counsel somewhere and appoint to draft the documents in accordance with the U.S. law. But because of our relationship and because of our relationship with certain U.S. law firms, we were appointed to, um, we were engaged to appoint the foreign counsel and also conduct um, the due diligence and review the documents in accordance with Nigerian law since that um, in, investee company has a subsidiary where it carries out most of its um, business in Nigeria. So this is one of the things that we, so we've been able to get that structure and also still serve um, still be important in the, con in the in the transaction and also be able to solve that issue of our client having to look for a foreign counsel somewhere where they're not so sure of their expertise and stuff. I was just trying to, you know, buttress on the point as to why it is very necessary for law firms to ensure that they have relationships in all jurisdictions so that to help, uh, in order to help satisfy and cater to the legal needs of your clients for sure and i think it's a, a really perfect example to be quite honest because it, it's that trust that you've built you know there's the client can say to you we know there's a foreign law component but instead of just going out by ourselves and spending the time effort and the unpredictability of sourcing new counsel off their own backs it's like you know they they, they can turn to doa and say who do you know? Who do you work with? And I'd much, I mean, I personally run off recommendations in basically everything I do. I'd much prefer a trusted recommendation than any kind of independent, you know, research. If there's someone that I trust and they recommend, job's done as far as I'm concerned in most cases. So it's great to hear that that's, that's operating in practice as well. Melody, any, any closing thoughts on, on that concept of, you know, um, functioning everywhere but not having to be everywhere H how does that operate in your mind at the firm um yes um yes thank you for um thank you for that question it's great to be here um so i think i agree with everything my colleagues have said so far um like we've said, um, international trade is on the rise. Um, there's increased number of trade agreements. And now we see more clients trying to expand globally because, you know, now clients just want to reach as many consumers as they can. And with the use of technology, it's very easy for these clients to um, reach a larger uh, customer base. And when you have this sort of, when you have uh, this sort of, um, phenomena going on where clients want to expand, the, the legal services would be the first 
um, point of call that they would have. They would want to make sure that they've covered all their legal bases. Um, they're not doing anything that is illegal in those countries. And I think it's very comforting to them to know that they can come to um, a firm like DOA, um, where we've been able to handle a lot of clients' um, expansion, whether it's into Delaware or Mauritius, Cayman Islands, or even places like Ghana in Africa. We're able to support these um, companies from things like uh, incorporation to trademark registration um, to advisory on GDPR issues and just ensure that um, they have a one-stop shop for all their legal concerns and not necessarily just um, limited to their home country, which is Nigeria, of course. And this will also mean that um, in the way that we've had to render these services, we've, we've had to also um, incorporate flexible work hours. We've had to incorporate, we're trying to, you know, make remote working more of a thing here because with the, with the expansion of the business, you find that uh, people are working on um, different time zones. And now we have to incorporate flexible hours to ensure that we have like a quick turnaround um, on clients' instructions. And most importantly, to do all these things, we leverage on um, relationships we have with correspondent councils and other firms in other jurisdictions. And the great thing about having these relationships is that it's not just a one-way street, right? Whenever um, these councils outside also have clients that are trying to enter into um, Nigeria, the Nigerian market and need legal advisory as well. They also call us up because they know that we've handled these deals and we are very competent in everything that we do. And so we have such a sort of a, a mutual um, relationship with these people where we're able to help them and they're able to help us. And we really couldn't do it with, um, with these relationships. So at the end of the day, I think creating and maintaining these relationships are, are very key, uh, as we've said from the beginning. Absolutely, Melody. But I think your your referencing of working in different time zones has triggered my PTSD as a chap that used to work for a big American company with uh, West Coast operations, East Coast operations, European operations and Asian operations. If there was ever a call which needed two or more of those to go ahead and I just saw something horrible in my diary at 11 p.m or something <laughs> it's it is the nature of of, of internationalization of isn't it you know we need to be you know up and available uh to facilitate that kind of thing and look i think it speaks to the role of the modern african law firm you know very much at the the nexus of coordinating the various components that are needed for international expansion which does lead me to our final question and it's looking at what comes next you know the law firm is obviously operating way beyond the scope of what a traditional small-scale Nigerian law firm has done. You know, this is an internationally-minded, dynamic, forward-facing law firm. What, Melody, let's start with you. What do you think comes next for Africa's most forward-thinking law firms? What are the services that you think are going to be offered by Africa's leading law firms in 5, 10, 15 years that they're currently in maybe ember or embryonic stages right now? Um, okay, uh, thank you for that question. I would say that um, right now, I'll, I'll say that right now um, we can see a trend in, I think, technology. 
And we can see a lot of startup companies coming up and they are very technological um, based. They are, everyone is based on, uh, everybody's trying to solve one issue or another using um, technology. And I think that um, that's going to be a major, a major uh, practice area. It, it's already a major practice area here, but it's not quite as expansive as you've seen in maybe other continents. But we'll be able to um, not only deploy AI in our own services, we'll, have, we'll try to advise on these issues. And when I talk about um, employing AI in our, in our own services, I know that currently we have, um, we still have, we're still kind of, I think a lot of law firms in Africa, in Nigeria, are still not very, we're not making as much, um, as we're not taking as much advantage as we can on, in technology in in rendering services, but I think with the with the years go by, we'll be able to um, with the years when the as the years goes goes by, we'll be able to inculcate um, technology into our services in a way that makes um, most of these maybe turning out most of these agreements in you know very very uh, fast time. We'll be able to also advise on other issues that uh, other technological te technological issues that. Um, have not even um, come up yet. And for us personally, as the future of, uh, as we hope to grow uh, as a firm, we never can tell whether we need to actually set up, you know, another firm maybe in the UK or in the US. I think that's our vision um, to be able to operate, not just operate with um, correspondent councils, but to also have firms in these places. I think that will help so much for um, the growth of the firm. Thanks, Melody. And I, I think I agree with you. I think it's both technology as a uh, sector being advised on, but also embedding technology into how you deliver legal services. Samuel, I've got a, I'm going to put a, a, a future gazing question to you. In the next decade, do you think you're going to see or negotiate against an entirely AI powered lawyer? Can we call them a lawyer? Aren't they still a computer? What do you think? Decade? Do you think there's going to be entirely AI-driven negotiations taking place? What's your read on that? Thank you for the question, Tom. But to be fair, I do not think it will be entirely driven by AI. Um, when it comes to law and the practice of law, the human element is just as important, right? Um, there's just so much that AI can do. And besides, the programming of AI still boils down to what the human is going to put in place. So, for example, one of the things that we're doing at DOA currently is we're trying to, I mean, first off, let's even start with, with smart contracts, right? Um, so we're trying to um, work with a system wherein if two companies or there is a situation whereby you need to transfer shares or buy shares or a typical measure, right? We're trying to work with um, a software develop, development company that would help to put in place certain um, solutions, right? wherein you put in information of the transaction and then you'll be able to get a comprehensive share transfer agreement or a comprehensive shareholders agreement. And um, honestly, from the experience so far, it's been about two, three, four weeks you know, of intense, intensive conversation around that angle and you know, just trying to define, okay, the major terms of the agreement of a share purchase agreement or a shareholders agreement. And, you know, this is just to be able to build a comprehensive smart contract. But when you talk about AI, that's that's a bit much more technical. So I do not agree that AI would be entirely in charge of um, the lawyer's work or transactional work. But I do believe 
that in a decade, right, the collaboration between both parties would be truly immense. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the fence too, and I did hear an interesting distinction around, you know, this idea that there'll always be a human behind the AI. There's an interesting distinction. There is always a human behind machine learning, but the AI jump is is actually self coding. It's 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 learning. It's evolving. It constantly strives and has the ability to strive and adapt under its own power. So there's a big big jump between something like machine learning, which a lot of legal technology currently is is powered by, and that true artificial intelligence angle. I uh, had a man much smarter than myself paint me that, that distinction, and it really did open my eyes. So an interesting one to think about. And Tobaloba, just before we finish up, I'm interested in, you know, pan-Africanization is something that we've touched upon in this conversation. What comes next for the firm when it comes to your ability to support them on their their own growth, you know, anywhere in the continent and beyond? Anything on the horizon that you can share with us? Um, So basically, right, at this point, so I won't say what comes next. I'll say that the firm is already positioning itself in investing. The firm is investing so much on its associates. Um, So what we're trying to do is understand your areas of interest, because I know that a lot of law firms might be making the mistake of just boxing you in a particular um, sub-department or department because it is um, prudent or it's financial, it's a good financial decision to make. So we're trying to understand, okay, the areas of law that our, our, our lawyers or our associates are interested in. And the firm is heavily investing on trainings, heavily investing on even um, study leaves and or just so that we could get as much knowledge, as much um, understanding of these concepts, this new trendy concepts so that we were able to um, advise and prefer solutions, um, top-notch solutions to our clients when these issues arise. You know, I'm really glad to have that answer because, again, it comes back to the people. You know, a lot of firms, I think, are tempted to say, well, we're, we're developing these, you know, really fancy self-service tools for our clients on a pan-African basis. But your question said, well, the firm is, is empowering it's, it's young talent. It's allowing us to have the flexibility and the freedom to follow interests and passions beyond the, the pigeonholing that was previously done. You know, you are a tax lawyer or you are a uh, dispute resolution uh, uh, associate. And instead, you can really be driven to find your own interests. Because I think legal talent paired with passion is is truly an unstoppable solution and to deny either one of those is to to limit yourself in your practice so great to hear uh on that front and that does bring us to time so i will say it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you you all today um and as always it has been great to have our listeners joining us for yet another africa legal podcast If you are new to the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you use, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud. If you're there, we're likely there too. And as always, don't forget to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. And so without further ado, this has been Tom, Samuel, Tobiloba. 
and Melody, and we're signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>